Although our Christmas season is hot, or usually hot, not so much today, there's a part of Christmas that for many people is quite cold. Christmas gatherings can bring to the surface the coldness in some of our relationships, that chill of a strained relationship that for most of the year can go reasonably unnoticed and out of mind, but as we spend time with Christmas, uh, with people at Christmas, uh, it can come to the surface. Those people who have disappointed or people who we have disappointed or have hurts with, uh, and the loneliness that some of us experience at Christmas, uh, that can all come to the surface. Relationships Australia have conducted a survey across the last three years about Christmas and particularly stress at Christmas. Uh, To what extent is it a work-life balance, money, food, drink, gifts, relationships? They've done this three-year study of of stress at Christmas. The issue that rated highest for extreme stress at Christmas, the extreme stress category, is a relationships thing relating to children from previous relationships. The issue that rated highest for moderate to extreme stress, so the biggest stress category at Christmas, is spending time with extended family. Another relationship one, amidst work, life, money, food, drink, gifts, it's relationships. I feel both these things as well. In my Christmas, I think they're on. I think the the, the research uh, is on the money. There's a part of Christmas that's cold uh, for many of us, and we know every year or every other year we'll spend time again with the family member who makes us feel awkward, uh, with the brother or sister who every single year has a put down about you being a Christian. Just that little side remark. Uh, the colleague who this year, perhaps more than any other year, is stirred up by same-sex marriage, politics and or church abuse and you're dreading sitting next to them at the Christmas lunch. Or someone that you love who is just plain rude and it seems to come out that little bit more at Christmas. Deep, deep down, we wish that they knew Jesus. As Christians, Christmas warms us, it it puts a spring in our step as we're reminded again of of God's great love for us and the world. The truths of reconciliation and peace, they warm our hearts and Christmas deepens our longing then for friends and family to know God's love that we know. Yet I wonder if you feel like I do when another Christmas passes through the busyness, through the stress of relationships, when it passes, left feeling a little bit cold, that again there's been no warm Jesus moment amongst those friends and family that I long for them to know Jesus. This next encounter in Mark's Gospel, this encounter with Christ, there's encouragement for us here heading up to Christmas. Because in these encounters with Christ, unlike the ones that we've seen so far in Mark's Gospel, these encounters with Jesus and his followers, they're a little bit chilly. 
different to the events that surround them. As there's opposition and rejection of Jesus, there's an expectation of opposition of Jesus' disciples go out and you cannot miss the gruesome, gory details of John's head being served up on a platter at a Christmas-style banquet. There's some encouragement here for us and as we get to the end, I want to share some concrete actions that I've been thinking about that will help us warmly share Jesus. Uh, In these chapters, we're in the midst of some fairly dynamic encounters with Christ. We've had the calming of the storm, uh, the the driving out of the demons, the, the healing of the lady, the raising of the dead girl... But here in chapter 6, Mark recounts an encounter that is cold. Uh, Verse 1, we see that Jesus goes back to his hometown. Are you going back to your hometown for Christmas this year? What kind of reception do you get when you go home home for Christmas, from your family, from old friends? What kind of traditions? Well, as Jesus goes back to his hometown, he teaches in the synagogue, verse 2... And people are amazed. But once they start to process who he is and what he's saying, that amazement turns to offence. You see, Jesus is from an ordinary family. He's a carpenter. He's Mary's son. That phrase itself is supposed to be a little bit derogatory. He's not a son of a father. But son of Mary saying something about his unusual, miraculous birth. As they start to see him, hang on, this is just some ordinary guy who's saying this, amazement at what he's saying, tied to who he is, turns to offence. And so in verse 4, Jesus says, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honour. And then verse 6, it's Jesus who is amazed, yet unsurprised by their response to him. Jesus knows that his own people will be hardened against him, just like they were hardened against the Old Testament prophets who had come from God before him. Turn back with me please to chapter 4 verse 11 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago where Jesus was explaining why he taught in parables. Chapter 4 verse 11, he's saying to the disciples, he's in a circle, that the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you but to those on the outside, those others who are listening in from Israel, everything's said in parables so that, verse 12, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus is not surprised that his people will be hardened to him, that they will reject him, that they will oppose him. Even among his own family and relatives, chapter 3, verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 20, this is the kind of reception Jesus got when he went home. Chapter 3, verse 20, I can't find it, wrong chapter. Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. They're busy. When his family, his flesh and blood, his mum and his brothers and sisters, when they heard about this, they went to take charge of him and they said, he is out of his mind. 
Now, because of the lack of faith at Jesus' homecoming, his healing of people is limited. Verse 5. So far, we've seen Jesus healing all kinds of people and doing all kinds of dynamic, miraculous kind of things, but here it's limited. Is Jesus' healing power dependent on their faith? Jesus can't act because they haven't done enough faith in the room? No, it's not like that. Jesus holds back his power because in the absence of faith, miracles harden people further to God's kingdom. This is exactly what happens with Pharaoh in Egypt and as Moses, uh, through God, God, through Moses, was bringing about the plagues. Pharaoh's heart was hardened as he saw these miracles, as he saw this power at work uh, in the world. He was hardened by it. So Jesus, in the absence of faith, holds back his power to heal so that people are not hardened more. Now this is interesting because from time to time we might think, you know, if only my cold family member or my friend or colleague, if only they had a dynamic encounter with Jesus, then perhaps they'd be captivated by him. If they had an encounter like the disciples, if they saw something like the calming of the storm, if they saw a demon possession being um, um, uh, driven out, if they saw a miraculous hero, if only my family member saw Jesus raise somebody from the dead... Well, in the Gospels, we keep seeing that not every encounter with Christ, even the dynamic ones, draw people irresistibly to Him in faith. As we go into verse 7, we see, again, in the midst of these dynamic encounters, Jesus mobilises His disciples for His mission. And it's not particularly dynamic. Jesus' method is to send his disciples into the world. They're humble, insignificant. They're making Jesus known from village to village, house to house. This is what Jesus called his disciples for. This is what he gathered them together for. This is what he has been equipping them for. And now, verse 7, he sends them out. They have authority over evil. They have authority over unclean spirits. They can heal we're told in verse 13, these are the kind of things that happen as Jesus' new kingdom breaks into the world. But the primary task of Jesus' disciples, the primary task of those that Jesus sends out in his mission is to humbly and lightly move through the villages preaching. Verse 8, these were Jesus' instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. They need need not be burdened down with lots of possessions. They're going to be moving lightly through the world from place to place and they'll be able to rely on the hospitality of brothers and sisters and new brothers and sisters who will take them in. So verse 10, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. The primary task 
of Jesus' disciples is to humbly and lightly move through the world preaching, making Jesus known. And this is not a one-off moment where Jesus sends them out. This is the mission that Jesus has enabled them for and sent them out to the end of their days. As we looked at uh, the book of Acts uh, earlier this year, we saw that it's not a mission then that ended a couple of thousand years ago, but right through till today, Jesus promises that he will give his spirit, that he will give his power, so that we might be his witnesses to Jerusalem, to all Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is not a one-off moment, but to continue through today and until Jesus returns. Now some will coldly reject Jesus' disciples as they reject Jesus and the light of his kingdom. As we seek to warmly share Jesus, we will be rejected as people reject Jesus and the light of his kingdom. Some will be warmly drawn to Jesus irresistibly in faith. But Jesus' disciples are not particularly dynamic. You and I need not be particularly dynamic. Those on Christ's mission will go humbly, gently, patiently, lovingly, generously, warmly, making Jesus known wherever they are sent. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Many of us will remember that sentence. The next half sentence says, But do this with gentleness and respect. On Christ's mission, we'll be humble, gentle, patient, loving, generous, warm in making Jesus known wherever we're sent. So how might we do this around Christmas in 2017? How might we have warm moments in sharing Jesus with our friends and our family and colleagues as we come up to Christmas? I want to encourage you to keep sharing your ideas and experiences with one another, that we can be supporting one another, that we can be praying for one another. Some of us have really difficult um, interactions coming up to Christmas. Some of us really feel stressed. Some of us really feel sad. Some of us really feel lonely. We need to keep uh, encouraging and praying for one another uh, as we head up to Christmas. I'm always thinking about how to do Sundays here, and particularly Christmas, in a way uh, that helps us along in sharing Jesus with our friends and family. Whether you can be inviting them along or whether you're going to be seeing them somewhere else, I'm always thinking about how to equip and encourage and support you in that. So I want to share some ideas uh, today. Uh, some of the things that I've observed over the years is that time in December is really precious uh, and time is really limited uh, as to what we can do. But time with family and friends becomes even more precious. I'm sure you have family members, even if you don't love getting together with family, though I'm assuming that for most of you, you do love getting together with family and friends. But particularly our family and friends who uh, 
might not be Christians or part of other churches, they really love us getting together during December or in around Christmas. And I really feel the conflict between my other commitments and responsibilities and wanting to be with family and friends. And I don't even have a job where I need to go to a Christmas party. Oh, Brock, we should organise a Christmas party, shouldn't we? Sometime in there. Um, how about the 31st of December? That'll do something then. Uh, there's, there's all these competing kind of things and I think that Christmas should be a time where we particularly uh, give time to our family and friends. We want to be really deliberate and going, yes, I'm going to carve out time to do that. Um, and so at our commitment to church sometimes and our other responsibilities go, ah, that kind of conflicts. How often does somebody invite you, not, not even to do with Christmas, how many times are you invited to do something on a Sunday and you go, ah, oh, I'm rostered on morning tea, I can't do it. Ah, oh, I'm on music that week, I can't do it. Ah, oh, I'm preaching that Sunday, I, I can't be there. Um, you'll feel that, uh, I feel it, uh, and, and you'll experience it. So... I've been thinking about how can we actually clear the decks a little bit at Christmas to create some space to say yes to that family member or that friend. Yes. So that's one of the things that I've been thinking about. Uh, The other thing I've been thinking about is we want to do something that we can be really deliberate and intentional in inviting family and friends to come and do something with us and being present in our local community round about here. Um, And so this is coming together in uh, doing something this year that I hope we'll keep doing for a few years to come. Uh, So here's a particular thing that we can do, and I hope that even if you're not going to be around at Christmas this uh, summer, uh, you might be able to think of some other things. This is why we're going to do a Carols at New Life uh, this year. Uh, Five o'clock in the church car park on the Sunday before Christmas, which is actually Christmas Eve uh, this year. Uh, There'll be carols, there'll be some um, music, drama presentation of the really good news of Christmas, there's going to be a gift for children, there's going to be a sausage sizzle. Um, Now to make it go really, really well, we're not going to have our usual services that day at 10 o'clock and 4 o'clock. So for you, you might be able to say, when the family says, hey, let's get together on Christmas Eve, it's a Sunday, let's do brunch together, you can say, yes! Let's do that. And then, hey, would you like to come and do carols with us that night at church? Or flip it around the other way, go and do, come and do carols together and then say, hey, do you know how we normally have um, Christmas cake and drinks on Christmas Eve? Let's go and do carols and then let's go and do that and be home in time to watch the Melbourne carols uh, on TV. There's all kinds of things that you can, uh, you can uh, uh, pack around this so that we might be deliberately engaging with people. So start thinking about how you might include this in your Christmas celebration uh, as an opportunity to warmly connect Jesus with friends and family. Now, that, that to, to uh, be really clear with you, there's not going to be a sermon that night. Uh, there's not even going to be uh, uh, an engaging evangelistic talk. It is going to be carols, and some Bible readings, and this short drama about the really good news of Christmas. The focus of it really is sharing carols with our community and spending time together. But it will be some that warm uh, Jesus moment 
where you might be able to share that with your friends and family or neighbours. But be thinking about whether this might be a new tradition uh, for you. Now, even if you're away from Canberra this Christmas, can you be thinking about creating an opportunity to have a Jesus moment in your Christmas celebration with family and friends? Is there a church that you can go along to together? Maybe that's so not part of your Christmas gathering and that that wouldn't work. How else might you have a Jesus moment, a purposeful conversation that you might have with a family member? Uh, Perhaps using the tear, useful gift cards as part of the gift that you might give to other people. Uh, my my mother-in-law as part of our family Christmas where not everyone is is Christian when the children were younger she would have a narrated nativity drama every year where including the adults had to put on costumes uh, and she would read out the nativity uh, story from the Bible and we would have to act it out Uh, that sometimes got a little bit silly after lots of Christmas cordial As the children have gotten older, and that's kind of seemed a little bit daggier, uh, she's used the chocolate nativity story. Uh, Google it, you'll find it on the internet, the chocolate nativity story, where as you narrate the story, there's chocolate prizes for people who guess it. Look it up on the internet, the chocolate nativity story. You might like to introduce to that uh, to your family. Or other ideas. Today would be a great time over morning tea to talk about some of the ideas and traditions that you have had. Now, this one's going to sound really daggy, but this is one that I grew up with that I think we could still actually do. Uh, Every Christmas Eve, when I was living with my parents, uh, we would spend the afternoon visiting people in our community who were shut in. Uh, People who my dad had known, whether they were school teachers or people who used to be his boss in employment, Uh, Our family would go from house to house and spend half an hour, 45 minutes with these old people and um, uh, my siblings and I uh, would would sing a couple of carols, uh, would share a gift with them, uh, we would have a Bible reading and we would do that for about four or five hours on Christmas Eve. Um, Now all these people that we used to visit uh, never had any other kind of connection uh, with church I know that for one of those old ladies, uh, she became a Christian uh, through those visits uh, later in her life. You will have other things that you've already done. You'll have good ideas. I want to encourage you to be thinking uh, purposefully about warmly sharing Jesus uh, this Christmas because we don't want another Christmas to pass where we feel that coldness again but there's been no warm moment in sharing Jesus with our friends and family.